0: Being in this mortal state, it is necessary. That's why Adam and Eve could not have joy in the Garden of Eden. They knew no misery. We are here to taste of that mortal side. And there's always going to be some element of pain or trial or adversity in our life, whether that's just, you know, cold weather when I want to be outside or a sickness when I want to feel healthy. My wife fell and injured her shoulder, and she's, you know, it's six weeks, and she still doesn't have full mobility, and she's frustrated that it's taking this long to heal. And, you know, even though it's not massive pain, it's just, it's part of mortality. Every one of us, in one way or another, are going to taste of those challenges. And hearing him in that adversity, hearing him in that darkness is critical. So I wanted to take some time on that. But there is another moment that I want to raise your attention to. Hearing him in prosperity might be just if not more important because of our tendency, what we tend to do in prosperity. So let me bring this a little bit closer so I can write on the board. Put you guys right there. Let me move this out of the way. Let's talk about the pride cycle as it's presented in the Book of Mormon. Mormon kind of makes this really, really clear as he talks about the different people that cycle through this. So let's start, I'm gonna just put a big circle here on the board. That's not a very good one. I can do better than that. Okay. All right, let's cycle through pride. Let's start here at the very top, and let's start with righteousness. Okay, what happens when someone decides to be good, to obey commandments, to follow instructions, they commit to keep their covenants? What always follows righteousness? And we have really no control over this because this is something that Heavenly Father does. Blessings. Always follow righteousness. If you obey, he blesses you. In fact, he continues to pour out blessings. And what do we know about Heavenly Father? He is an abundant God. He blesses us abundantly. He overblesses us. He pours out blessings upon us. And that often leads to a very, very critical moment. And I'm going to put it in a box. Because I think there's two boxes on here that are pivotal in what do we choose to do in those moments. This box is prosperity. So I choose to be righteous. He blesses me abundantly. And then I hit this level of prosperity. Now there's lots of prosperities. There's financial, there's social, there's professional. There's a prosperity in a talent, in an ability. There's so many different prosperities. So God blesses me until I hit this level of prosperity. Now, unfortunately, what we've seen from the Book of Mormon is what usually follows prosperity. Let's read this from Mormon's commentary. Everyone turn to Helaman chapter 12. Having watched this cycle so many times in the Book of Mormon, Mormons just makes a very significant commentary. So Helaman chapter 12, verse 2. Kind of a lengthy verse. Um, Anyone want to read? Hiram? Hiram's going to read here. You guys follow along. Helaman 12, 2.
1: Yea, and we may see at the very time when he doth prosper his people, yea, in the increase of their fields, their flocks, and their herds, and in gold and in silver, and in all manner of precious things of every kind and art, sparing their lives and delivering them out of the hands of their enemies, softening the hearts of their enemies that they should not declare wars against them, yea, and in fine, doing all things for the welfare and happiness of his people.
0: Okay, pause right there. Here we go. At the very moment, so we choose to be righteous, and God blesses us. And because he blesses us, because we have an abundant, loving God who pours out blessings upon us, what do we do? Keep going, Hiram.
1: Yea, then is the time that they do harden their hearts, and do forget the Lord their God, and do trample under their feet the Holy One. Day, and this because of their ease and their exceedingly great prosperity
0: it is one of the saddest things of mortality is that we turn against god because he blesses us in the moment of our prosperity it leads to pride Normally, prosperity leads to pride. It's all about me. It's all about my accomplishments. It's all about what I've done. Look at me. Look at the great prosperity I've made for myself. And it leads to pride. Now, when it's about me, when I live by my rules, when I live based on what I think, pride leads to sin. And this is the saddest thing. We've gone from righteousness to sin because why? Because a loving Heavenly Father poured out blessings upon us. How dumb are we as his children? No other creation does that. None of his creations do that except for his children. We turn against him because he blesses us. Now, here's the tragedy. Sin, in one way or another, will always lead. Again, I've got to put another box here. Sin will always lead to pain. Now, let me be very clear. You hear me clearly. I am not saying that all pain is because of sin. My wife falling and injuring her shoulder had nothing to do with her being a transgressor. Uh, health conditions that we suffer not related to sin. I can I can show that to you in the scriptures because do you remember when Jesus passes the man born blind, and he said his disciples say who sinned this manner is this manner is parents that he was born blind. What was the assumption right? This is the assumption that we make. That his blindness is a punishment for sin. And Jesus said, What? Neither hath this man nor his parents sinned. Pain is not always because of sin. However, let me be clear: sin always leads to pain. No, pain is not always because of sin, but sin always leads to pain. So we're gonna use this pyramid, we're gonna use this cycle in two ways. Number one, the pain that comes because of sin. And number two, the natural pain that isn't necessarily because of sin, but the natural pain that comes because we're in a sinful state. We are in a mortal state. So I want you to see this as both of those. Now, because of our nature, because of sin, because sin often turns us from God, what kind of reminders do we often have to turn us back? Let's read the very next verse, Helaman 12, <clears throat> 3. Sabrina, are you with us? I thought I saw Sabrina here, right? Sabrina's with us. Any chance yeah. you could, could you read verse 3, Sabrina? Where are we? Helaman 12. So he, Mormon's kind of talking about this, this, Pride cycle, the verse that that Hiram just read, that at the moment of prosperity is the moment we often forget him because of our pride. Sabrina, if you could read the very next verse, Helaman 12, 3, because of our tendency to sin, because we tend to turn away from God, what do we need in our life? Verse 3, Sabrina. And thus we see that except
1: the Lord doth chasten his people with Many afflictions; and except he does visit them with death and with terror, and with famine and with all manner of pestilence, they
0: will not remember him. So the hint here, what the suggestion here is, that pain often turns us back to God. Pain leads to humility. When I, when I, and when I'm reminded that I can't solve my problem, here's a pain that I can't make go away. When I'm reminded it's not about me, when my pain reminds me that, I often turn to the person who can make my problems go away. And so pain often leads to humility. In both of these pains, the pain because of sin usually leads to humility, but the pain of mortality often leads to humility. So pain is a critical junction. A pain is a critical decision maker. So that's why we started there. We talked about hearing God in challenge, hearing God in pain. And it often, remember, the response should be that I humble myself and I turn to God. Humility leads to repentance. It's not about me. It's not, it's not about me. It's about the goodness of God and I need him. It's when we repent and we're humble that we return to a righteous state. And then the cycle turns all over again. Now tell me what Mormon, what the Book of Mormon is begging us to do. Why would he point this out? Why would he constantly say, look, there they are again. There they are, once again, going through that lower portion of pride, sin, and pain. Don't you think the Book of Mormon, sorry, is begging us to find a shortcut? Now look at that. Does anyone see a shortcut? Does anyone see a better way? I believe the Book of Mormon is presenting this as if to say, come on, people, there's a better way. Cutting straight to repentance. Ah, and I think there's a step pre What leads to repentance? I think you've got it, Dion. What if prosperity led to humility? That led to repentance. What if my reaction, what if my honest-to-goodness reaction to God's blessings, what if gratitude drove me to look at my blessings and it made me more humble? What if instead of pride, what if my natural reaction was humility? Now, that's very doable. That is me fighting my natural tendencies, but that's a very, very logical conclusion that when I see that God is the source of my blessings, it makes me humble, it makes me grateful, and gratitude is gonna lead me to humility which leads me to repentance, and notice, what do I avoid? If my prosperity led to humility, what would I avoid? Pride, sin, and the pain that comes from sin. I wouldn't avoid all pain because of mortality, but I could avoid the pride that comes from prosperity and the sin and pain that come from that pride. Don't you see that that's a better way? So much better way. Let me show that to you in the scriptures. Let me show you a group of people that cycled that way at least once. When they got to prosperity, the memory of their pain caused them to be humble. Let's go back to the war chapters. So go to Alma chapter 62. At the end of the war, after they had spent so many painful years in that war with the Lamanites, with Amalekiah, that cost them so dearly. And it was their own pride. It was their own mistakes that led to that pain. But after that pain, watch what they do. So Alma chapter 32. Sorry, Book of Mormon. Alma 32. I like this update, but it's got me a little rattled. How about you guys? The different color schemes. I'm not seeing what I'm normally seeing. So, and I like the update, but. Not quite the same. All right, Alma chapter 62. Let's go to verse 48. After the war chapters, after the war was over, and that was a painful experience, they began to prosper again. Verse 48. Hiram, do you want to read for me? Um, Alma 62, 48. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Alma 62, 48.
1: Okay. And the people of Nephi began to prosper again in the land and began to multiply and to wax exceedingly strong again in the land, and they began to grow exceedingly great.
0: Okay, so they're here, right? After the war, after the painful experience of the war, they're back to here. The Nephites are prospering. Now, normally, prosperity would lead to pride. But the memory of the pain, the memory of the lessons learned, the memory of God being with them, the stripling warriors, their, their protection from the, 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 in the war causes them to do this. Keep reading, Hiram. Watch them go through the shortcut.
1: <clears throat> Notwithstanding their riches or their strength or their prosperity, they were not lifted up in the pride of their eyes, neither were they slow to remember the Lord their God but they did humble themselves exceedingly before him.
0: That's the shortcut. Do you see it? They, notwithstanding
1: their riches,
0: notwithstanding their prosperity, they were not lifted up. They were not lifted up in the pride of their eyes. Why? Why? What, What led them through the shortcut? Verse 50, Hiram, one more if you don't mind.
1: From prisons and from all manner of afflictions, and he had delivered them out of the hands.
0: That memory made their prosperity flow to humility. Remembering God, remembering the great things of God led to humility. Do you see the shortcut? Do you see the lesson? Now here's the tragedy. Here's the tragedy, ready? That's chapter 62, right? All right, count them. 63, Helaman 1, Helaman 2, Helaman 3. Four chapters. Four chapters later, and they're back here on prosperity. And guess which they choose this time? Four chapters later, they're right back here. But this time, look at verse 1. What what do you find right in the middle of verse 1? It says, A little pride was in the church. Now, why is this an issue? Jump down to 24. What word jumps out of verse 24? Helaman 3 24. There was exceedingly great prosperity in the church. In fact, verse 25, so great was the prosperity and so many of the blessings which were poured out upon the people that even the high priests and the teachers were themselves astonished beyond measure. That's how abundant God is. Even the priests were amazed at the blessings that God was pouring out upon the members of the church, the prosperity of the church. And yet, here it comes, ready? Ready? It's been four chapters since they psych- they skipped, they shortcutted through the bottom part of the pride cycle. But now go to verse 33. That prosperity is now turning to pride. Verse 34, they're lifted up in pride. And then by verse 36, there was exceedingly great pride. Now, do you just sense what Mormon's doing with this story? Do you see it? Are you wise enough to see it? That when they remembered God, their prosperity led them to humility. And then just four chapters later, they forgot that. And now their prosperity is leading to pride. And you know what's coming, right? This is the book of Helaman. What's going to happen to the Nephites in the book of Helaman? We're going to flop. The Nephites will become wicked and the Lamanites will become rich. The Lamanites are going to be righteous and remember God. And this is where the prosperity is going to lead the Nephite nation against God. And oh, will that lead to a painful ending in third Nephi? Do you see the tragedy? Now, let me point out another tragedy. If you've been staring at this cycle for a while, I wonder if you've picked up on another tragedy, another shortcut, one that the Book of Mormon illustrates. We saw Laman. We used Laman as an example of what to do in trial. Remember that whole discussion? That the tradition of the Lamanites was to feel wronged, and get wrath and to hate God. Tell me what Laman is doing. In his trials, tell me what Laman is doing. Laman is doing this. There's another shortcut. Pride, or sorry, pain often leads to pride. If you respond like Laman did, your pain is going to lead to pride. You feel wronged and get wrath, and you turn against God. So you find yourself cycling through this series of pain, pride, sin, pain, pride, sin, and there's Laman. That's exactly what Laman does. And I'm guessing some of you know someone who's kind of cycling through that, that their pain is making them angry. And their anger is turning them against God, leading to greater pain. And then that new pain makes them angry and they just keep cycling through this series. So here's what I want you to notice. I want to point out that what are my two choices? I put a box around prosperity. What are my two choices in prosperity? Tell me what they are. Yell them out. What are my two choices? I can either natural or shortcut. What are my two choices in prosperity? Pride or humility. What are my two choices in pain? Pride or humility. Same choice. Same choice. And do you see why I'm linking these together in a Hear Him class? In pride, and, or sorry, in prosperity and in pain, the choice is pride or humility. Hearing him in the affliction, hearing him in pain, is choosing humility, and it leads to the top part of that circle. Not hearing him in pain is pride and leads to the bottom part of that cycle. And the same thing is true now of our next discussion, prosperity. When things are going well, when the trial is over, when you make a little money, or you get a little famous, or you get good at something, or you have the high score in your math class, or whatever form, you get the most likes on social media. Prosperity is coming in each of your lives. And my invitation to you is to not let it lead to pride. To choose humility in prosperity. Hear Him in prosperity. Hear Him. Let your heart be full of gratitude for the blessings He is pouring out and turn to Him and hear Him. Let me give you a warning. Let me share, you are in a similar circumstance as the children of Israel coming out of the desert. College is kind of like the desert. Your youth, your childhood is kind of like the desert. You've been kind of in mom and dad's house and your freedom has been limited and you know, you're know you young and you're in the desert. Now you're headed into the promised land. Some of you are going to make a lot of money. Some of you are going to be very successful in your careers. And even if it's not financial, it might be social, it might be professional. Prosperity is coming in one form or another. I promise you before long, you will you will taste of prosperity. And then the question. So Moses, just as they were standing on the edge of the promised land, coming out of the wilderness, Moses gave them a plea. It's the same plea I'm going to give you. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8. This is the same plea plea I give as you go out into the prosperous world. As you begin to have full-time jobs and success. Here's my same plea. I echo the plea that Moses gave them. Deuteronomy 7 verse, or sorry, Deuteronomy 8 verse 7. I say to each of you, for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil, olive and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. Lack is not going to be your challenge. Prosperity is going to be your challenge. So here's the plea. Verse 10, when thou hast eaten and art full, bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Remember that it came from him. Thank him, bless him for the things which he hath given thee. Verse 11, don't forget him. Here's the temptation. Ready? Verse 12. Lest when thou hast eaten and are full and you've built goodly houses and dwell therein and your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and your stock portfolio is multiplied and your cars get bigger and nicer and more expensive and your house gets bigger and nicer and more expensive and all that you have has multiplied. Here's the temptation. Verse 14. You are going to be tempted to lift up your heart and forget God. You're all gonna be tempted to say in verse 17, my power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. Don't do that. That is the definition of prosperity leading to pride. It's about me. I did this. I am great. Verse 18. Remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. So that fascinates me based on what the Book of Mormon is teaching. Let's go back to the Book of Mormon. I think Mormon put the answer in the early part of the Book of Mormon. And then he spent the rest of the book illustrating the wisdom of his answer, the wisdom of his his counsel. Let's go to Mosiah chapter 4. This is the first book we have written by Mormon. Remember the loss of the 116 pages. We lost the early chapters of Mormon. They were replaced by the writings of Nephi and Jacob down to Omni. Then we start Mormon in Mosiah. Go to Mosiah chapter four. King Benjamin is speaking, but Mormons saw in King Benjamin's address. Remember, Mormons living at the end and writing or putting in the Nephite history exactly the answers to the problems we would face. He saw this. He's living in this day. And he says the answer was in King Benjamin's address. So he included it. Go to Mosiah chapter 4 in the Book of Mormon. Now, go to verse 11, but don't read verse 11. Bear with me for a second. Don't read verse 11. In Mosiah chapter 4, verse 11, which by the way should have Christmas lights and bells wrapped around it, it needs to be colored and angels need to sing every time you open up the page to Mosiah chapter 4, verse 11. This is a major verse. But now go to verse 12. Whatever he said in verse 11, he says, I say unto you that if you do this, whatever he said in verse 11, I'm now reading in verse 12, if you do this, notice that everything else in my life will go well. First, verse 12, my relationship with God, the first commandment to love God is going to be fulfilled if I do whatever he told me to do in verse 11. If you do this, I'm reading in verse 12, you will always rejoice, you'll be filled with the love of God, you'll retain a remission of your sins, and you'll grow in the knowledge and glory of Him that created you, the knowledge of that which is just and true. Sure sounds like doing this will make my relationship with God right. Do you agree? Sure sounds like that's the promise. You do this, and you and God are okay. And then look through 13 through 16. If I do this, the second commandment to love my neighbor will also be taken care of. Verse 13, you won't have a mind to injure one another. You'll live peaceably. You'll render every man according to his due. You'll be a good parent. You won't suffer your children to go hungry or naked or transgress. You won't let them fight or quarrel. You'll teach them to walk in the ways of truth. That's not a commandment. That's a consequence. He's not commanding us. He's telling us, if you do this, that will naturally happen. It sure sounds like verse 11 is a cure-all. It sure sounds like Mormon is saying this simple practice will make everything in your right, life right. Your relationship with God, your relationship with others. It sounds like all you have to do is this. So get back to verse 11. Again, I say unto you, as I have said before, that's interesting, he's repeating himself. As you have come to the knowledge and the, of the glory of God, or if you have known of his goodness and have tasted of his love and received a remission of your sins, which caused such exceedingly great joy of your souls, even so, I would that ye should remember and always retain in remembrance what two facts. Always remember two things, and everything in life is going to be okay. Tell me what the two things are. The
1: greatness
0: of God. God is great. I am not. God is great. I am not. Now, could it be so simple? Could it be so simple that... Humility, in both cases, humility. I better do this in red again. Humility, choosing humility is God is great. And choosing pride in both cases is I am great. Is it that simple? Is it that simple? That if I always in pain and in prosperity. Remember the greatness of God. And the nothingness of man. I will choose humility in both cases. If instead, in both pain, now what does that look like in pain? How dare you do this to me, wronged. How dare you do this to me? That's all about me, I'm great. And God is not because he's not treating me right. What does that look like in prosperity? Look what I did. Look at my accomplishments. Look what I did. Again, it's about me. Could life be that simple? That if you connect with God, if you are tuned into him, if revelation is flowing, if you are connected to God and you are hearing him, and that is a reminder of his greatness, that everything else in life will be right. It is my testimony to you, it is my solemn testimony. Allow me, someone who's 30 years down the road from all of you, allow me to testify that it is that simple. I have had a front row seat of wonderful people who hit both pain and prosperity. And I testify with all my soul. The Book of Mormon seems to be testifying with all its energy that it's that simple. If you remember God always, Everything works out. In prosperity and in pain. If instead the focus is you, you're probably going to hurt. Until you learn that lesson. I think... The Book of Mormon just taught us the greatest secret of life. Hear him. How did the first vision begin? Joseph, this is my beloved son. Hear him. What did Jesus say? What did the father say at Jesus' baptism? As he starts his ministry, as he becomes the Messiah, this is my beloved son. Hear him. What did God say on the Mount of Transfigurations when Jesus was transfigured and they saw his glory? This is my beloved son, hear him. It seems like every single time that the Father speaks to us, what does he say? Hear him. Could it be that simple? That if, as you cycle through life, you remember him, that you listen to him, that you pray to him, that you connect with him, that the flow of revelation is constantly flowing in your life, that you open up that channel, everything that we've talked about, that by forgiving others, you receive from him. If everything we've talked about is constantly in place and I am receiving from God, it is my testimony that everything else in my life Will go right. It doesn't mean I'm going to be free of mortal challenges, but when those challenges come, I will be humble in them and blessings will come. I bear you my testimony and plead with you to be wise enough to hear what the Book of Mormon is teaching today. I would that you should remember and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God and your own nothingness and His goodness and long-suffering towards you, unworthy creatures, not invaluable. He didn't say that. And humble yourselves, even in the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily, and standing steadfast in the faith of which is to come. If you do that, everything else will be right. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.